These numbers are simply the president's policies put onto paper. Yeah. And that's one of the problems. They're filled with fraud. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Like Trump University. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. Yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast. As heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 FM WLRI, in Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM. In Palinville, New York on 102.9 FM WLPP. In Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We're also heard streaming coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel. Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today for another thrilling action-packed adventure. Coming up as Donald Trump continues his overseas trip, Back home, the Trump administration released his budget proposal today, calling for more than $1 trillion in cuts to a wide range of social programs. The plan also calls for huge increases in military spending while claiming to reduce the deficit over the next decade. But as my guest coming up momentarily, a former Obama administration official, if you believe the uh, oh, those Obama administration people, as he describes it, the plan is, quote, a Bernie Madoff budget. He calls it, quote, a massive account fraud designed to fleece vulnerable people. And not just because of the things that it cuts, and we'll talk about that as well, um, but because uh, they're actually messing with the numbers here. He's not the only one who has spotted this. Uh, what, what is anywhere from a two trillion to a seven and a half trillion trillion dollar error in the administration's numbers. So we will discuss that. It's kind of amazing. And uh, and as I say, setting aside the alleged fraudulent accounting with these numbers, some of the remarkable proposed cuts in Trump's budget. We'll talk about that shortly as well, particularly um, cuts to those who actually voted for Donald Trump, who may be none too happy about these proposed cuts if they ever became policy. Also coming up, uh, hey, Desi Doyen. Hey. The Green News Report will be coming up. You will also have details on the slash and burn cuts to the environment, uh, to the environmental programs in this uh, in this Trump budget. Yeah, it's like taking napalm to the budget. 
uh, to the environment yes. in truth uh, and and uh, because in fact it will be the environment in many cases that will be exploited to help pay for all of those uh, other cuts in the rest of his budget <laughs> yep uh, but you've also got some good news out of Switzerland and it's so sad that we so frequently have to go overseas to look for any good news on the environment but uh, hey at least there's that hey at least there's good news uh, yes to be had. Uh, you're right uh, and so we start with not so good news Investigators continue the hunt today for possible accomplices of the alleged suicide bomber who attacked uh, an Ariana Grande concert in Manchester, England. That was yesterday, just after we got off air, killing 22 people, sparking a stampede of young concert goers. Uh, AP says the Islamic State group claimed responsibility for the Monday night carnage counting uh, children as young as eight among its victims and left 59 people wounded. British police raided two sites in the northern English city today. They arrested a 23-year-old man at a third location. British Prime Minister Theresa May and police said the bomber died in the attack on, uh, on Manchester Arena. But that was a detail that was not included in the Islamic State's claim taking responsibility. That uh, claim also had discrepancies with the events as described by British officials. A top U.S. intelligence official, Dan Coates, the uh, director of national intelligence here in the U.S., said the ISIS claim had not been verified by the U.S. government. Manchester police uh, identified the bombing suspect as 22-year-old Salman Abedi, but gave no other details about him. A European security official spoke on condition of anonymity, uh, said that Abadie was a British-born man of Libyan descent. So he was, uh, if in fact he was uh, behind this attack, he would have been uh, a, a domestic, a homegrown a terrorist in this case. And not somebody that Trump's Muslim travel ban would have stopped from entering the United States, for example. Good point. Campaigning from Britain's uh, campaigning for Britain's June 8 national election has now been suspended, at least uh, for now, in the aftermath of the attack, which was the deadliest in Britain since four suicide bombers killed 52 London commuters on subway trains and a and a bus back in July of 2005. Prime Minister uh, May said, We struggle to comprehend the warped and twisted mind that sees a room packed with young children, not as a scene to cherish, but as an opportunity for carnage. Britain's Queen Elizabeth, too, marked a moment of silence on Tuesday to honor the victims. The Islamic State's group's uh, claim of responsibility echoed other statements uh, made by the extremist group for attacks in the West, but with vague details that left open the possibility it was an opportunistic attempt at propaganda that perhaps ISIS was not actually uh, involved in this attack. Donald Trump, for his part, visiting the West Bank city of Bethlehem, said the attack preyed upon children and described those responsible as, quote, evil losers adding, quote, this wicked ideology must be obliterated, and I mean completely obliterated. Manchester, England has seen attacks like this before. The city was hit by a huge Irish Republican army bomb back in 1996 that leveled a swath of the city center. More than 200 people were injured in that attack, although no one was killed. And as we go to air today, Prime Minister May 
has raised the threat, uh, uh, the threat level in Britain from, quote, severe to critical for the first time in a decade, warning that another attack may be, quote, imminent at any moment. So we will keep our eyes on that. Meanwhile, back home, uh, also after we uh, got off air yesterday when things seemed to break, uh, President Trump according to the Washington Post, asked two of the nation's top intelligence officials in March to help him push back against an FBI investigation into possible coordination between his campaign and the Russian government. That occurred according to current and former officials. Trump made separate appeals to the director of national intelligence, who I just mentioned, uh, Daniel Coats, and to Admiral Michael Rogers, the director of the National Security Agency, urging them to publicly deny the existence of any evidence of collusion during the 2016 election. Both Coates and Rogers reportedly refused to comply with Trump's requests. They both uh, reportedly uh, deemed those requests to be inappropriate, according to two current and two former officials who spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss private communications with the president. So this would mean, in case you're keeping score at home, that Donald Trump... Um, asked, uh, well, asked Jim Comey, the FBI director, to end the investigation into uh, Michael Flynn and made separate appeals to those two uh, uh, top uh, officials, top intelligence officials, Dan Coats and Mike Rogers. Trump's conversation with Rogers was documented contemporaneously in an internal memo written by a senior NSA official, according to the sources uh, by the Washington, from the Washington Post. So apparently there's documentation of this taken at the same time by Rogers himself, the director of the National Security Agency, just uh, akin to what uh, Jim Comey reportedly uh, did after he had his uh, meeting in the Oval Office with the president, where Trump asked him, allegedly to end the investigation into Michael Flynn. It is unclear, the Washington Post notes, if a similar memo was prepared by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence to document Trump's conversation with Coates for his part during testimony today before the House Intelligence Committee. Uh, Director of National Intelligence uh, Dan Coates declined to confirm the Washington Post report, saying that he would not discuss internal uh, deliberations with the uh, with the president. Trump's effort to use the director of national intelligence and the NSA director to dispute uh, statements from Jim Comey, who said that there was an investigation. He did. I don't think Comey said there was collusion. He said there was an investigation yeah. into possible collusion between Trump and Russia. Right. He said there was enough evidence to right. warrant further investigation. And uh, which uh, also uh, former uh, CIA director John Brennan, I believe, yes. uh, also uh, confirmed today. Uh, in any event, uh, the Washington Post cites uh, Jeffrey Smith, former general counsel at the CIA, to say that uh, this effort to uh, have the director of national intelligence and the NSA come out and uh, dispute Comey's statements on all of this uh, echoed President Richard Nixon's, quote, unsuccessful efforts to use the CIA to shut down the FBI's investigation of the Watergate break in on national security grounds. Smith went on to describe Trump's actions as, quote, an appalling abuse of power. 
So there's that. Uh, in, and so that will that investigation will no doubt continue. But I want to get to this budget because with all with the attack going on in uh, the, in England today with the uh, with the testimony before the U.S. House Intelligence Committee, this Trump budget is kind of amazing and it is not getting the coverage that I think it deserves. Whether it's uh, whether the budget is accepted or not is sort of a separate matter. But the cuts that he put in place or that he's trying to put in place that he presented to the to the Congress to put in place are kind of amazing. And uh, if only because they actually would actually they would actually harm Trump's own voters the most, according to several different analyses of this uh, of this budget. Yeah, it's almost cruel and unusual punishment to inflict this on the people who are <laughs> the most marginalized in society. And they happen to also be Trump voters. And they also happen to be Trump voters. According to the way uh, Politico describes it, uh, Donald Trump, whose populist message and promises to help American workers propelled him to the White House, is set to issue a budget proposal on Tuesday. This was uh, came out last night that instead takes aim at the social safety net on which many of his own supporters rely. Rather than breaking the wa- with Washington precedent, Trump's spending blueprint follows established conservative orthodoxy, cutting taxes on the wealthy, boosting defense spending, and taking what they describe as a hatchet to programs for the poor and disabled, potentially hurting many of the rural and low-income Americans who voted him into office. The president's plan calls for more than one trillion dollars in cuts to a wide range of social programs with millions of beneficiaries from farm subsidies to federal student aid. That includes six hundred billion dollars in cuts to Medicaid over 10 years. That despite Trump's repeated promises on the campaign trail not to cut that program. It also takes an axe to the federal food stamp program. Which, uh, you know, which which feeds forget about the people, you know, Republicans like to say, oh, there's people ripping off the federal food stamp program, which shows very, very little fraud. But even if you believe that there is fraud being carried out by the adults who are accepting these uh, these food stamps, I sense they have no idea how many children rely on food stamps yeah, we have the highest population of children, of hungry children of any developed country in the world. They don't care. Nor do they nor do they understand uh, how little money this actually is, how how little uh, how small the amount of money is that people actually received via federal uh, federal food stamps. It, the budget also takes an axe to social security disability insurance. Trump also proposes some of the deepest cuts to agricultural subsidies since Ronald Reagan. So those farmers who uh, voted for Donald Trump are in for a surprise as well. If Trump's budget actually moves forward, it squeezes out nearly 50 billion dollars in agricultural subsidies over the next 10 years. It would drastically cut domestic programs, slashing one point seven trillion dollars over 10 years. At the end of the decade, the U.S. would spend nearly twice as much on defense as on other domestic programs. So domestic discretionary spending would be capped at $420 billion per year. That's all we can spend, $420 million, billion dollars on our people here and programs. 
Um, that would be $420 billion below the levels in 2004, while military spending would soar to $722 billion, almost twice as much spent on the military overseas and so forth, our defense, as we are spending here on uh, hungry people, farm subsidies, uh, people with uh, disabilities, etc., etc., on and on. Education, environment, as you'll talk about in a little bit, Desi Doyen. Infrastructure. Infrastructure, all of that. White House Office of Management and Budget Director Mick Mulvaney rejected the accusations that uh, that Trump's budget unfairly targets the poor, arguing instead that it amounts to a broad rethink of the country's welfare system. So it, it doesn't target. It's just a rethink of how we go about helping doing business people. in this country. Well, yeah. sure. It's how we go about helping people by kicking them off so they don't get help anymore. Easy. Oh, boy, you're you're none too happy about this, are you? I am not. Mulvaney, a former South Carolina congressman and founding member of the Conservative Freedom Caucus in Congress. You remember them? They used to call themselves the Tea Party Caucus. And then that wasn't viable anymore, so they call themselves the, the Freedom, Freedom Caucus. Party, yeah. Right. He has long sought uh, these dramatic cuts to Medicaid and other programs, and now he's in charge of the uh, Office of Management and Budget at the White House. So that's what you get. Nearly $200 billion in cuts will come directly from the federal food stamp program. That's $200 billion from federal food stamps, which helps to feed 44 million people each year. And, of course, that's uh, way too many. That's too many people who need food stamps. I agree. Uh, But you don't get those people off of food stamps by taking away the money that they use for food. Two hundred billion dollars. Trump would also slash seventy two billion dollars by tightening the rules for programs for people with disabilities. Because, you know, they need to have their belts tightened, those slackers with disabilities. Um, uh, uh, Trump's advisors uh, described those programs as riddled with fraud and abuse. A federal watchdog, however, found last year that 17 anti-fraud programs already exist. The New York Times' Teresa Trich reported back in 2015 that uh, there is fraud, no doubt, but there is no evidence that it is rampant. Trich pointed to a a telling statistic. She said, if people on disability were faking it, They wouldn't have such high death rates. Yes, those same folks have much higher death rates than everyone else, but apparently they're faking it enough that we need to to take away the the social safety net that we provide them. Uh, Mulvaney said, we're not kicking anybody off any program who really needs it. We have plenty of money in this country to take care of the people who need it, and we will do that. We don't have enough money to take care of people, everybody who, who doesn't need help. So what we try and do is look at these programs again through the perspective of the people paying for it, which is who he's most concerned about, the people paying for it, not the not the people who have uh, much higher than average death rates uh, who need this sort of help. He has a great deal of compassion for the people who pay the taxes. That's where his compassion goes. Uh, He said, Mulvaney said, if I had a sort of subtitle for this budget, it would be the taxpayer first budget. This is, I think, the first time in a long time that any administration has written a budget through the eyes of the people who are actually paying the taxes. Uh, Seth Hanlon, 
A former economic advisor to Barack Obama says it's a complete about face. It's a betrayal of a lot of people who put their faith into Donald Trump. Even some Republicans, both inside and outside Congress, say they're worried about the sheer magnitude of the proposed cuts. Hal Rogers of Kentucky is a longtime member of the powerful House Appropriations Committee. He told Politico that I'm deeply concerned about the severity of these domestic cuts. Uh, Rogers has been an outspoken critic of Trump's proposed cuts to programs that benefit rural regions like his home state, like the Appalachian Regional Commission, and like those folks who voted for Donald Trump. But those folks who voted for Donald Trump are in, uh, in for even more of a surprise, at least if they bother to take to pay attention to what this budget actually does. I quoted Seth Hanlon there in the uh, in the Politico report. Uh, well, uh, all of those cuts are not going to be the worst of it. When we return, Seth Hanlon, a former Obama administration official, will join me to explain what he describes as the $2 trillion Bernie Madoff-style fraud in the administration's budget proposal. That's his words, not mine. That's next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. Given the outcome of the 2016 election, we really need your support now more than ever. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Well, he may not be the tax man, he may be the tax cut man, but uh, given what tax analysts are now saying about these, uh, both the tax cuts proposed by Donald Trump and his proposal, his new budget proposal introduced today, which seems to count the same tax cuts twice, sort of. Uh, a lot of people are charging there is a fraud in this budget. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. All right, we discussed the, the cruelty of the cuts to social programs and the seemingly dumb politics that come with them in that those, uh, those cuts most adversely will affect many of Trump's own voters. Uh, we did that in the last segment. We also discussed whether or not he's even serious about this budget, given the fact that Donald Trump is on this uh, on this overseas trip for nine days as his budget proposal is released, rather than here selling the budget and crisscrossing the country uh, to do so, as most presidents do with such documents. But never mind all of that. Forget about all of that for the moment. At the heart of Donald Trump's proposed budget, analysts find, is a huge accounting error or a gimmick depending on one, uh, how one might choose to look at it, or just an out-and-out -out fraud, which seems to render the entire proposal null and void in and of itself, to a certain extent, if I'm understanding this correctly. At New York Magazine today, uh, which calls this, quote, literally the largest and stupidest 
arithmetic mistake in the history of the federal budget. The magazine's Jonathan Chait writes, One of the ways Donald Trump's budget claims to balance the budget over a decade without cutting defense or retirement spending is to assume a $2 trillion increase in revenue through economic growth. This is the magic of the still-to-be-designed Trump tax cuts. But wait, he writes, if you recall, the magic of the Trump tax cuts is also supposed to pay for the Trump tax cuts. So the $2 trillion, he says, is a double-counting error. Is that possible? A $2 trillion counting error? Uh, and the account trick may, in fact, be much more than simply $2 trillion. Now, I've been trying to read up on what economists and tax policy experts of many stripes have been yelling about uh, regarding the math in this proposal from Donald Trump uh, over the past 24 hours or so since his budget was released. Um, and if I understand it correctly, the trickery, as I said, could include much more than a $2 trillion double-counting error. Error, And, of course, many are charging today that this is much more than just an error, but instead an outright fraud. To help me try and understand the either fraud or error in this proposal, I'm joined by Seth Hanlon who unleashed a bit of a Twitter storm last night trying to get folks uh, to pay attention to this. Seth Hanlon is a senior fellow at American Progress, where he focuses on federal tax and budget policy. Prior to that, he served as special assistant to President Obama for economic policy at the White House National Economic Council, coordinating the Obama administration's tax policy. And prior to that... He served as senior tax counsel for the House Budget Committee Democratic staff under former ranking member Congressman Chris Van Holland and as tax counsel for Senator Debbie Stabenow. Seth Hanlon, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Uh, thanks for having me, Brad. You bet. Uh, now, listen, I'm not a financial guy or a budget wonk, and I'm not very good with numbers, but I think I have been able to understand uh, what you and, uh, frankly, a lot of other analysts today are now seeing as a huge problem or error or trick or outright fraud in Trump's budget proposal. In fact, you described it last night on Twitter as a Bernie Madoff-level accounting fraud. Uh, so can you explain what is actually going on here, but explain it to me as if I was in third grade, if you don't mind. Sure, sure. sure. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, you know, I, I use the, the term, that, you know, this is a Bernie Madoff budget because mm -hmm. I think I wanted to convey two things. I mean, number one, it's cruel, right? It's, ba it's based on fleecing people and taking aid away from the most vulnerable people mm -hmm. in the country. Um, and second, it's fraudulent. And so just to explain that, um, you know, four weeks ago, President Trump, to much fanfare, came out and announced his tax plan. Um, and this is the tax plan that's supposed to, you know, restore uh, great economic growth and boost incomes and create jobs um, and boost the economy. So in that tax cut, he enumerated a list of, of tax cuts. So mm -hmm. he's going to cut the corporate rate, for example, um, by more than half. Mm -hmm. He's going to cut the estate tax, eliminate the estate tax. He's going to cut, cut the top tax rate for, you know, paid by high-income individuals. Mm -hmm. um, he's going to cut the tax rate on pass-through, on sort of partnership businesses like he, like the Trump Organization. Mm -hmm. So there's a litany of tax cuts. Um, outside analysts added them up, and they cost, they're estimated to cost about $5.5 .5 trillion. 
So then they came out with the budget today, this morning, um, and we got a preview last night, Mm -hmm. and they literally did not include any of their tax cuts or tax proposals in the budget. They're just completely missing, right? So there's no proposals. Now, normally, you know, if in the Obama administration or, in, in fact, every administration before that, the Bush administration, Reagan administration, you come out with your budget and you put all of your proposals in the budget, mm-hmm. so you know, uh, on both the spending and the tax side. So I think the big sleight of hand here is pretty simple. They just didn't put any of their tax cuts in the budget. So there's $5.5 trillion that's missing from the budget. $5.5 trillion in, in cuts to revenue coming into the government. Five, uh, $5.5 trillion less than is currently coming in, essentially. That's right, over, over the next decade. Okay. And they say, uh, the administration has been saying, that those cuts, those tax cuts from their tax proposal will pay for themselves because the, admi- the uh, economy will be so good, it will bring in uh, taxes and revenue from elsewhere to equal that $5.5 trillion, correct? That's sort of what they've hinted at, but mm-hmm. that's not actually what they do in their budget. Okay. So in their budget, they just pretend like this $5.5 trillion of tax cuts does not exist. And then at the same time, they include uh, what are called economic assumptions in the budget, mm-hmm. and they say that the economy is going to grow by a full you know, percentage point every year. So the economy is going to grow at 3% instead of 2%. Okay. Um, and because of that extra economic growth, and you know, of course, um, there's not much basis to think that there would be that growth, but... But that's what Republicans uh, pretend about uh, tax cuts, that they increase the, uh, right, they increase revenue somehow. Whether it's true or not, that's the assumption that I guess they're making. Right. So they make that assumption um, of 3% growth. Uh And so there's a feedback effect from that growth. So if you assume the economy grows, people have higher incomes, and then they pay more in income taxes. And so that brings in an additional $2 trillion Mm -hmm. of revenue. Mm Mm-hmm. So they include that extra $2 trillion of revenue in their budget, um, but at the same time not including the policy, that, in other words, the tax cuts, that's supposedly producing that magic growth that results uh, in the $2 trillion. I see. So, so right. They include the, the revenue that they claim, whether it comes or not is a different issue, but the revenue they're claiming is going to come because of the tax cuts. That's part of the budget, but the loss of $5.5 trillion in in tax cuts themselves, that is not included in the budget. Exactly. Exactly. And so how is that? Uh, yeah, I know. It's it's kind of jaw-dropping. So this is, uh, you. I, I mentioned Jonathan Chait sort of referred to this as a double-counting error. Is is that what this, uh, what this is? Are they counting that same money twice? Because when they describe their tax plan, they said it would essentially be revenue neutral, didn't they? Right. So they're essentially saying that it's it's revenue neutral. In other words, the tax cuts, uh-huh. the $5.5 trillion pay for themselves, right? Right. Um, but then if it's revenue neutral, then it can't pay for anything else. I mean, so revenue neutral means it doesn't change the level of revenues. <laughs> you just, in theory, the, you know, if a, if a tax cut is revenue neutral, then you would cut the rates and... Um, but the growth would would pay for that. Uh-huh. Um, but then they go a step further, and then they claim an additional $2 trillion, which just makes no sense. Uh, so is this a, a, a mistake on their part, or is this a con? I mean, did they know that they were 
double counting the revenue that it was going to both pay for tax cuts and it's going to pay for this budget? Uh, or, or is this just an egregious error? I mean, you, you charge on Twitter this is not an innocent mistake. I can't imagine it's an innocent mistake. I mean, there are hundreds of people who work on these budgets mm-hmm. um, at the Office of Management and Budget at the Treasury Department that are career professional um, economists, accountants, lawyers. Um, they know what they're doing, and and they know, you know, th- they've been doing these budgets every year, you know, sometimes for decades. So there's no doubt in my mind that, that the career employees who, who work on these budgets would have pointed something like like that out. Um, and so I can only conclude that there was a deliberate decision simply to wave a wand and take the entire $5.5 trillion cost of the tax cuts out of the budget. You note that uh, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin on, on Twitter today uh, that he was asked about these budget tricks. I guess there's a fiscal summit today uh, somewhere. I don't know if it's in D.C., Uh, He said that it was, quote, premature to put in any changes in the budget as a result of taxes. And yet they did. So does this suggest that this was uh, done without even consulting Treasury Secretary Mnuchin? Uh, And does that, by the way, add uh, fuel to the to the notion that, oh, they're just incompetently bad at their jobs here rather than uh, trying to commit some sort of fraud? I mean, I think Mnuchin, I think the budget is developed in tandem. I think Mnuchin was very much involved. I mean, at least in my experience, the Treasury Secretary would have been very much involved, the mm-hmm. National Economic Council director and the budget director. So I, I think, you know, all of them were were, were, were certainly involved in doing this. I, I, I think his response today I was a little confused by because right. he said um, he said the tax cut will be uh, revenue revenue neutral, sort of suggesting that it's going to be revenue neutral you know, without this extra growth, mm-hmm. um, which would be great. I mean, that's the right way to do tax reform. Um, but that just departs from everything else they've said, because they've said a million times, including um, including in the sort of preamble to the budget, that they're counting on this economic growth to pay for tax cuts, not, you know, cutting deductions or anything like that. Now, Seth Hanlon, of course, uh, we know uh, your, you and, and American Progress, of course, are, are just part of the Obama deep state hoping to uh, destroy Donald Trump and his agenda. So what are conservative, are there conservative tax groups out there uh, uh, calling out this uh, accounting gimmick as well? There is. I mean, I, I, you know, I can't find anybody who actually defends it. And so there's a group in town called the Tax Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're a conservative group, um, and they have an economic model. Um, so a lot of the times Republican politicians, if they were proposing tax cuts, they will ask the Tax Foundation to you know, project how much uh, economic growth and jobs will be created from their tax cuts. Um, so the Tax Foundation is certainly a right very, you know, a, a very conservative organization, mm-hmm. um, and even they say uh, that there's just something off here. There's a there's an accounting error. There's a, just a blatant logical error. Um, so they're not even defending uh, the budget treatment of Trump's tax cuts, nor are they even defending defending mm-hmm. the tax cuts themselves on their own merits. So, uh, will this accounting error uh, get called out by congressional republic? I mean, if you look at this, you know, it, it just. This is, in one sense, sort of fairly normal right-wing Paul Ryan-style 
uh, uh, policies, at least, you know, cut taxes, right. make more people work somehow, reduced fraud and waste somehow. So the economy shoots way up. Then we can pay for everything except for the programs that help people in need. Uh, so those must be slashed. Oh, and we need to raise military spending. So isn't that a pretty much the same thing that Paul Ryan and other so-called fiscal conservatives have been trying to accomplish for so many years? Isn't this budget right in their wheelhouse? Will they call it out due to this pretty massive fraud, whether it's $2 trillion or $5.5 trillion, uh, or I guess $7.5 trillion, depending on how you do the math, um, right. uh, this error here, will the re even the Republicans say, no, no, they've got it wrong? So, I mean, so first of all, I would not count on them uh, calling out Trump. They, in fact, Speaker Ryan was asked this morning whether, um, you know, what he thought of, of Trump's budget, and he, and he said he hadn't seen it yet, which is, you know, I, I work at the Center for American Progress, um, and I saw Trump's budget yesterday, <laughs> right. so I can't imagine that uh, Paul Ryan hadn't, hadn't seen it yet. He just, um, you know, like everything else with Trump, um, you know, just, uh, wants to change the subject. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think, yeah, I, I, like you said, I think the agenda is um, similar, mm -hmm. um, and the, the Paul Ryan agenda dovetails with the Trump agenda. There's really not that much difference between them in, in broad strokes, and, and that agenda, of course, is, you know, the largest possible tax cuts, you know, slanted towards, um, you know, quote-unquote job creators and, and corporations, um, while cutting, uh, you know, mostly health care uh, and other programs that serve low- and moderate-income people. So the, the agenda is the same. I will say, though, that in Congress, they do have, they do have budget rules, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and Congress, members of Congress can't simply throw out those rules. I mean, the one thing with the administration's budget is that they write the budget, and so mm -hmm. they can make a tax cut go away. Um, and, but in Congress, they do have budget rules. There is the Congressional Budget Office. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and then there's procedural rules in the Senate that, uh, that constrain what they can do. So you can't just pass a you know a tax cut of, of an infinite size uh, through the Senate. So I think uh, you know the Trump agenda does collide somewhat with reality when it comes to actually getting it through Congress. Has the administration? You wrote on uh, Twitter today that they were caught red-handed committing accounting fraud. Have they acknowledged uh, the? Uh, uh, I'll be generous for a moment. Have they acknowledged the error in their uh, budget proposal yet? So they, the problem is they keep on shifting their, their explanation, right? So mm -hmm. as of yesterday, they said that their tax cut is going to be paid for with, with economic growth. Um, and then today, you know, and then, of course, they get called out on that and because their economic growth is paying for something else and their, you know, deficit reduction in their budget. Mm -hmm. So then they get called out and they say, well, no, actually, our tax cuts don't cost $5.5 trillion because we're going to propose you know, uh, eliminating certain deductions. Um, that's not what they've said in the past. They said it's going to be paid for with economic growth. Um, I think it would be great if they actually were committed to doing a tax cut that, um, or doing a tax reform plan that, uh, you know, is, is fully paid for by eliminating deductions, mm -hmm. you know, for people with high income. I mean, the problem is that there's not, they've already, the $5.5 trillion already include already takes into account uh getting rid of some, some large deductions right. for high-income people. They've taken others off the table explicitly. So there's actually no plausible way for them actually to pay for the $5.5 trillion tax cut. 
And um, you've you've called this uh, well. You you call this uh, proposal cruel. Uh, what what is it? Uh, why do you see it as cruel? What is what is it that you think people need to know? Setting aside this accounting error, fraud, gimmick, whatever, for the moment, uh, what is cruel about this uh, budget proposal? And and what do you think people need to know about it? So I think there's there are. I mean, I could go on. There's a list of of cuts to um, to disability programs, mm-hmm. uh, to student aid, to nutrition assistance for low-income families. I guess I would focus, I think, the most probably the, the centerpiece of this budget um, and the centerpiece of what's going on and people need to be paying attention to in Congress is on health care. And so what this budget does is, um, it, so first of all, it assumes, it incorporates the Republican bill to repeal the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, mm-hmm. um, and replace it with Trump Care. So that's built into this budget. Um, and so that cuts $800 billion out of Medicaid, so that's going to kick 14 million people off of Medicaid um, after 10 years, mm. uh, all to pay for tax cuts uh, for high-income individuals. Now, Trump's budget goes farther than that and cuts another $600 billion off of, um, out of Medicaid. So at the end of the day, it takes the Medicaid program and literally cuts it in half mm. um, uh, 10 years from now. So, uh, you know, I think the, you know, the, the health care bill, the American Health Care Act, the, or, or you know, so-called Trump Care, right. um, is now in the Senate, right? And that is the, um, that's where the action is right now. And it's, you know, uh, it's very unclear whether they need 50 votes in the Senate. Um, there's 52 Republicans. It's going to be very close. Um, and, you know, they've been talking about it and negotiating um, on uh, Affordable Care Act repeal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's the where the live action is and where, you know, people who are interested in stopping the Trump agenda. Right. Um, you know, should exercise the most focus. So they're already assuming in this budget that uh, we've we've passed a health care uh, reform, we've passed tax reform, and then the budget sort of picks it up from there. So, Seth Hanlon, I've right. got just a, another minute or two here, but uh, very quickly, um, it, it, I guess maybe it used to be an experiment, if we go back as far as Ronald Reagan, uh, the idea that cutting taxes increases revenue, increases the economy, everything is good from cutting taxes. But it's no longer an experiment. We've now done it with Ronald Reagan. We've now done it with uh, George W. Bush. Uh, has, has cutting tax cuts ever actually uh, done what it is that folks like Reagan and George W. Bush and, and now uh, now Donald Trump claim that it will to help the economy? Do we have any record of that occurring? Yeah. It's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, over the last two decades, we've had a, you know, basically a perfect natural experiment. We've had the, we had the Bush tax cuts mm-hmm. in 2001. Um, you know, following that was a decade of disappointing growth and then the economic crash. Um, and then since 2013, um, President Obama has restored the uh, tax rates that were in effect under Clinton, um, and the economy has had an unbroken string of job growth since then. Um, and then, of course, going back to the 90s, President Clinton raised taxes, and that was the best economic performance we've had, at least in my lifetime. So, mm-hmm. um, And then if you, you can also look at the, the state level as well, right? So we have um, you know, a state like California mm-hmm. um, uh, has raise taxes on on high income earners um and the state is outperformed mm-hmm. um and then you look at a state like Kansas where uh the governor cut taxes on on high income earners and did a you know created a loophole that's very similar to what uh Trump is proposing 
um, for pass-through businesses, um, and that state has you know lagged be, be, uh, below below average of mm-hmm. other states, and they've had to cut education um, and cut the budget, and um, and it's cost jobs. So, you know, in the real world, um, in the real world, there's really no evidence that tax cuts create any growth, let alone create so much growth that they pay for themselves, let alone what the Trump administration is now claiming, that they will create so much growth that they will pay for themselves and then some. And yeah, pay for themselves and for all of this other stuff. Uh, you worked right. with uh, President Obama on, on his budget proposals uh, to Congress. Uh, and, and with uh, and 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 that at that point you had Republican control there, so there was even less of a chance of lawmakers uh, actually carrying out what Obama was trying to uh, trying to to give a framework for, I guess, in his budget. Are you able to discern, uh, at least from the outside looking in, a difference in the in the process that this White House seems to be using in approaching the task uh, than than previous presidents? And uh, finally, what if anything should we glean from the fact that uh, President Trump is out of the country for a week and a half as this proposal is finally being introduced instead of uh, you know being here? Don't presidents, uh, even those like Obama who don't expect Congress to take much from his proposal, don't they use that opportunity to, to speak to the American people uh, uh, about their priorities in that document? Yep, yep. Um, so on the first question, you know, as to process, yeah, there's definitely was, it was, it was it's been reported in the Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, that the process was backwards for developing the budget this time. So usually you have career, you have economists who are professional economists um, at the President's Council of Economic Advisors, mm-hmm. and they come up with economic projections, right? And they're um, usually pretty in line with, like, you know, the Congressional Budget Office or blue chip forecasts, the kind of independent economic forecasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the administration officials, um, come together and talk about their their policies and how they might affect the budget. And so, you know, obviously every administration is confident, you know, believes in their own policies, mm-hmm. and they're confident that their policies are good for growth. In the Obama administration, you know, for example, we, we had an immigration reform, pro- reform proposal, um, a business tax reform proposal, and so we thought those were good for growth. So we, the, the budget would have added, you know, some additional growth, but it's basically only like, you know, decimal points, right? Mm-hmm. So from you know, two percent or to two point three percent. In the Trump administration, they they came in basically saying, um, dictating that that economic growth will be three to three and a half percent, which no no serious economist believes is it's on the outer edge of what might be possible. Um, but no serious economist would would say that that is a a baseline forecast of the kind that you'd want to budget around. Mm. Um, so and they they imposed that top down with the political team uh, dictating those numbers and then telling the career economists basically to backfill the rest of the the assumptions that go into that about, you know, mm-hmm. productivity growth and inflation and things like that. So the, the, this process was just backwards and and I think ultimately sort of shows it's not a, it's real, it's different. And it's, this is different in kind than even the Bush administration. Um, Different and backwards, not my Trump administration. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan uh, Chait at New York Magazine concludes his piece today. He says it seems difficult to imagine how the how this administration could figure out how to design and pass a tax cut that could pay for itself when Ronald Reagan and George W. Bush failed to come anywhere close to doing so. If there is a group of economic minds with this special genius 
to accomplish this historically unprecedented feat, it is probably not the fiscal minds who just made a $2 trillion basic arithmetic error. Seth, Har- uh, Seth Hanlon, really appreciate you joining us to uh, give some clarity here. This is... Uh, kind of crazy even for the uh, Trump administration. Follow uh, Seth's Twitter account for uh, the latest breaking uh, details on on this puzzling matter at Seth Hanlon and of course uh, his writings at AmericanProgress.org Seth, really appreciate you joining us here today. Yeah, thanks so much. You bet. Okay, the uh, just amazing, amazing fraud. No matter what you think about these cuts, the fact that they're their numbers aren't even close to reality is it's just, it's just kind of mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah, but come uh, on. Are you really surprised that the Trump administration, yeah. the guy, Trump himself, who has done this before with wildly optimistic projections and then some accounting gimmicks to sort of, you know, blue, da la la Yes, I am. I, I actually am surprised that he would take, you know, Trump University accounting schemes uh, and apply them to the federal budget. Uh, you know, and again, this has to go through Congress. They're going to have their own version. Uh, you know, so whatever he has proposed is not anything like what is actually going to come out the other end. But the fact that he would uh, that they would just be so wrong, even if it's an error, even if they're not trying to defraud anybody, if it's just an error, it is at minimum a two trillion dollar error. Just amazing. All right, quick break. We'll come back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report with the environmental aspects of this budget and much more. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Yes, the madness continues here on the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. The madness continues. And uh, as ever, Desi Doyen tries to explain it to us. In our latest Green News report. Apparently, even the most advanced apocalypse bunkers aren't safe from climate change. Global seed vault flooded by melting permafrost. Antarctica is going green and not in a good way. Plus, Trump's final budget proposal takes a hatchet to the environment. All of that slashing and burning straight ahead. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Trump gave another commencement speech, this time at the U.S. Coast Guard Academy. I've loosened up. The strangling environmental chains wrapped around our country and our economy. Yes, he's loosened. He's loosened the strangling environmental chains around America, especially those chains about global warming, which is good news for the Coast Guard, because soon they'll be able to patrol the coast of Kansas. (laughs) Semper Paratus, this is your Green News Report.
Okay, Desi Doyen, we're just getting details uh, now, but the White House has put forward its final budget proposal to Congress, and boy, oh boy, does the EPA get slashed and burnt. (laughs) Yep. President Trump's final budget proposal released on Tuesday, as expected, saves its biggest cuts for the research and enforcement budget of the Environmental Protection Agency. It cuts the agency's budget by 31 percent, eliminates more than 3,000 EPA staff jobs, that's about 20 percent of its workforce, and eliminates 50 climate research programs. The budget slashes funding for Superfund cleanup sites and proposes selling half of the oil in the nation's strategic petroleum reserve to raise revenue. Now, that's a proposal that's likely to get very strong bipartisan resistance from Congress because most of them say that that kind of move would threaten national security. Uh, Yeah, it sure would. He wants to sell off half of the strategic oil. I mean, this is what we use in the event of an attack and in the event that we can't... In times uh, of war and and in times of natural disaster. So he wants to sell that off and I suspect at some point we'll have to start filling it up and buying that oil at higher prices perhaps than we bought it for in the first place. He also intends to open up the Alaska National Wildlife Refuge for drilling and he has additional cuts to the Department of Energy and the Interior Department. Interestingly at the Department of Energy they actually get a cut of 5.5 percent but the uh, Department of Energy gets a boost on the programs that have to do with uh, militarizing nuclear science, but then it cuts the rest of the department's budget, which includes programs like energy research and development, national laboratories, and radioactive waste disposal. That just days after we had that uh, near catastrophe up in Washington state at the Hanford nuclear site where they store radioactive waste and one of the tunnels actually uh, crumbled and collapsed. And yet we're cutting that program. It's madness. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but luckily this is not the final word. Congress will still have quite a bit of say in what the actual final budget will look like. Indeed, they actually write their budget from scratch, but, you know, the president has the ability to veto whatever Congress sends them. So... We may be in for a fight, and it won't be a pretty one. Melting permafrost at the North Pole last fall ominously flooded an entrance to the Global Seed Vault in Svalbard, Norway. That's the subterranean vault that contains more than 500 million seeds intended to recreate humanity's food supply in case of disaster like global warming. In a story just made public this week, unseasonably warm temperatures and heavy rains last fall caused water to breach one of the tunnel entrances to the so-called doomsday vault. Although officials say the seeds were never in any danger, they say they're taking no chances now and are building new protective measures. Antarctica is going green, literally, and not in a good way. Although plants are still scarce at the South Pole, in the past 50 years, the quantity and rate of growth of plants have shot up sharply. That's according to a new study where scientists used core samples taken from the banks of moss around the Antarctic Peninsula. They say that shows the rate of moss growth at the South Pole is now four to five times higher than it was in the 1950s, thanks to retreating glaciers opening up new ice-free ground and Antarctica's rapidly warming climate. Global warming is a hoax. I don't know how many times I have to explain this to you. Never mind the evidence 
everywhere you look. Finally, some good news. Oh, well, take your time. Switzerland has voted to accelerate their country's transition to renewable electricity in a binding referendum vote on Sunday. 58% of the Swiss voted to add a surcharge of about $50 a year to their electric bills to subsidize and speed up deployment of wind and solar energy projects and to modernize their electric grid. I am so moving to Switzerland. For much more on those stories and the ones we couldn't fit into today's Green News Report, please stop by our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget, you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, or iTunes. Find us, follow us, and share us worldwide while you still can on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Oh, Switzerland, I never thought I'd have you as a friend. I'm praying it was not at all pretend. I need you now to help pick me up from my ground. Oh, Switzerland. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. <laughs> and I uh, we should underscore because it, it, it went by so quickly there, but... Switzerland actually voted for this. The, the, the people of Switzerland voted for to, to spend $50 extra a year yes, on yeah, their that's electricity. The, they have direct democracy in Switzerland. That's how they ah. do it. The, the voters actually get to have a say on these gigantic policies that have a huge impact on their lives. What a concept. Imagine the amount of money if, if all Americans just paid $50 extra on their electricity bill. Each year. Yeah. Uh, what we could do with that kind of money. They also voted, did they not, to to end nuclear yes. uh, power? Yeah, that was the other thing. In, in this, this push for them to go to all renewable electricity, they have banned the construction of all new nuclear power plants, and they're going to phase out the last five that they still have within the next 10 years. Oh, those voters, what do they know? We, we can't listen to them. Uh, thank you very much, Desi Doyen, our producer, and uh, to my guest today, Seth Hanlon of the Center for American Progress, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is always, as ever, greatly appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, you can always download it for free at bradblog.com. Please consider, while you're there, stopping by bradblog.com donate to help us continue to do what Desi Doyen and I try to do every day here on our public airwaves. You can also drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. Find us, follow us, and as we like to say, share us far and wide. All right, that is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. 